This episode of the podcast is brought to you by A Blade of Grass Dancing in the Wind. <laughs> what the fuck? What's so funny? It's just like... You want to tell it to me? You really get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast. The only podcast that is a joker, a smoker, and a midnight toker. Ooh. That's a Steve Miller band reference to you. Yeah. What's up, Frank? Hi. (laughs) We're back again, doing a little character study. Yes, we are. So today was my choice, and we are doing Arthur Fleck. A.K.A. The Joker, played by Joaquin Phoenix. Directed by Todd Phillips. Yes. Fantastic film. We did the... We did a quick kind of like yeah. first take. I would actually, I actually really enjoyed the movie. I, re- I rewatched it. I don't know if mm. you did. I rewatched the movie. I enjoyed it a lot more the second time around. Like a lot more. It's a really great film. And it's a really great like breakdown of the character yeah. that a lot of like comic book fans can really get behind because like it follows in depth of like how he kind of got started. And then at the same time too, for people that aren't familiar with the comics, it's loosely based. So, I mean, it's, it's not tied down to like anything. So you can really just sit there and like really see the progression of like his character and like where he's at psychologically. Yeah. I don't, uh, you would know better than me is Arthur Fleck. Like, is that ever like is that name ever brought up in the comics at all? No. Um, to, Do they ever give the Joker like an actual name, like not, who the man is? Not really. The closest thing that they've ever said was like his his real name was Jack Napier. Okay. But I've never read a single comic, including The Killing Joke, where they use that name. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's part of like the mystery of the Joker is like who is he actually? Where does he come from? What does he do? In his spare time. <laughs> think <Playing> of Scrabble. <laughs> He's a hardcore Scrabble fan. He's one of the top Uno players in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, I again, I really, really enjoyed this movie a lot more the second mm-hmm. time because of the simple fact of how much, how much of a character study this movie is. Yeah. And I also just realized also, again, like, how much it really, really reminded me of Taxi Driver. Yeah. A lot more like the second time around. Um, maybe it was just because we re- we somewhat recently did Taxi Driver, so it's sort of fresh in the brain. And I just, there was like some very specific shots that came out, which mm-hmm. Todd Phillips has been very open about it. I didn't, I didn't, again, you know me, I've been like trying to keep away from all that stuff. So like yeah. I, I told you, I was like, I was really getting like, taxi driver vibes from it and then i watched like a few interviews and he's he was very much open about it he, he even tried to get uh scorsese to like produce the film which would have Scors- been awesome scorsese was like eh, i've already kind of did this mm-hmm. i've already done this before so uh i don't really want to but very like heavily heavily inspired by taxi driver for sure absolutely i mean just between like the similarities between him and travis just like psychologically wise yeah very similar like how they think how they act yeah what they perceive to be is right and wrong Mm -hmm. and i mean the first question is is arthur fleck a bad guy Mm. (laughs) (laughs) so like i i kind of have like a like we can kind of like vibe off of that where mm-hmm. it's kind of like, is he a bad guy slash like, w- was he driven insane or was he 
already insane. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think a lot of it has to do with he was kind of brought to that point. I mean, a huge, huge line that the Joker says in the comics is in the killing joke where he says to Commissioner Gordon, you're just one bad day away from being me. Mm. And I think that's always stuck with me with the Joker character where all it takes is really one horrible, horrible day to just snap. To become a mass murderer. Yes. (laughs) To become the clown prince of crime. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But... Obviously, you know, sticking to, like, the core of, like, just this movie. Yeah. I kind of think he was driven insane. I I, I, I wouldn't so say that he was born insane or crazy, and he kind of just became this guy, like, out of natural development. I feel mm. like it was kind of like... I mean, this movie gets pretty dark when it comes to, like, his childhood, and then you realize... that I mean, there's... It's very much, like, shown that... He was beaten as a kid. They said yep. that he was like tied to like a radiator, mm-hmm. um, and he and they said to him that he, that your ki- that you know his mom who was insane or yeah. you know she did have um, she had something I don't remember what it was. I think it was, it was like, like multiple pa- personality yeah. disorder and stuff like that. And it said to Arthur or it said to her like in that flashback that you basically gave like your son like head trauma, like mm-hmm. bad bad head trauma, and then obviously. You can imagine that if you give a child like really, really bad head trauma in a developing brain, when they grow up, some things might not be all that great. Yeah, exactly. So you could almost kind of put it all on his mom. I mean, a good portion of it, yes. I definitely think like his mom, air quotes, because it's not actually his mom, could potentially be the reason that he goes down this path. And on the same note, too, like, he is on, like, so many medications towards the end that, I mean, it's hard to really get, like, is, at the end of the film, how he truly is. Is that really how he was all along, or was it, like, the medication that just kind of, like, suppressed everything? Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's there's a lot to this movie, because, I mean, you have a guy who who obviously is struggling with... PTSD, depression, mm-hmm. um, anxiety, probab- probably uh, some type of multiple personality disorder, some type of like, schizophrenia. schizophrenia of some kind. Um, and then you also have a, a, I mean, look, this movie makes a pretty big statement on like government and like the system and all that. Yeah. And I mean, you have a system who failed him, mm-hmm. who, who, who says, okay, we're cutting the funding for... Uh, for people, for, you know, like the so, her, his like social work and all that, like they cut that out. So now he no longer has access to his medication mm-hmm. and like his like kind of like therapy. A- and you even get to see that even that is like the therapy is like, like the most minimal. Like he even sa- like he says to her like you don't listen to me. Yeah. You ask me the same questions every day. Like you're not actually listening to me. You're just a- you're just kind of like rinsing and repeating every day. And and then they cut it. So the little bit that he did have. So you know, the medication that he was getting and the little bit of interaction where he was able to like kind of vent his thoughts and, and all mm. that is now gone. Yeah. So that like, I, I think he was driven insane. I, I think that like, if you had Arthur Fleck who had a normal childhood, who had a, who had a normal mom that grew, like that actually took care of him and, and nurtured him, then he wouldn't have become this. I don't think so. So no. I, I do think that he, w- I think he was driven to it. And I think that he was driven to it from a very young age. Like he was kind of set up yeah. to go down this path. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so too. Another question is, does he end up winning at the end? 
Yes. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Cut and dry. Like he in, in his mind, he has won. Yeah. Because he has kind of freed himself from everything, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Go ahead. Like at the end, he ends up finding out that Thomas Wayne isn't his father, so like he doesn't have to worry about that whole situation. His mother dies, so he doesn't have her anymore. He has nobody at this point, no medication, no therapy, and it's almost liberating to him towards the end. Mm -hmm. Scratch that. It is liberating to him towards the end because he is just so much... He's in a better mental state. In a sense, you know, I know, I, I know what you mean. Sense. Like, like for him personally, yeah. he's in a better spot, but like for the world, he's not. But I mean, look, that kind of like goes, you know, to like the like something that I uh, noticed was that he is very, he's a lot more confident and just has like a more of like a swagger and just mm-hmm. confidence to him. Specifically, after he kills, yes. So after he kills those three guys on the subway. Mm-hmm. He has that beautiful dance it's scene so that good. you love. It's my favorite scene in the movie. Um, and then he like goes down the apartment. He goes down the hallway, and then he um, he knocks on what's her name's door, and he like, and then they have sex and all that. Yeah. Um, and you could just tell that he's kind of just got this like his shoulders are up higher. He's just walk chin up to the sky kind, and he's just walking like he's just got more confidence. And then similar to when he goes on to like the Maury show and, and, he, and he shoots uh, Maury and De Niro and, you know, and he, mm-hmm. and he kills him. And then he's kind of just got this like, you know, Which is also or even a- like when he kills like those, the, the, the clowns that come, like the guy that yes. comes to his apartment and he yeah. kills him. He just like is just more like in his free. like element and he's just more free and, and, and he and he just you could tell that like that's when he is at his personal, like for him, like that's when he feels his at his best. Yeah, and it's and unfortunate for everybody else around him. Yes, because but. he will kill at a moment's notice. <laughs> yeah, or decide not to. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like especially to like my favorite shot in the film at the very end, like once everybody kind of like hoists him out of the the cop car, and he takes the blood from his nose and like puts it around and like makes it into a smile and like yeah. puts out his arms. That is the euphoric moment of him where mm-hmm. he is finally free and he finally feels like he is himself. Yeah. And, I mean, part of me thinks that none of it was really real at the end. Really? Part of me. Because they kind of like, they they kind of play with you a little bit where it's like with the girl you find out that like she's never had any interactions really with him yeah. other than like they're next door neighbors Mm -hmm. and you kind of end up believing that he kills her Mm -hmm. at the end of it so i mean that single moment kind of like sets up for the end where the very very end where he's in the mental institute and it's all kind of seemed like this was all just in his mind and he never actually went through with any of this oh i see what you're saying a part of me i actually didn't get that I, i i don't i I, I, I see what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree. I, I think that I think that it all, was all real, and then he he did get you know imprisoned or whatever, and then they bring him to like a psych ward because like when when he's um when he's laughing, and mm-hmm. then she goes like, "What are you like laughing about?" And he goes, yeah, "A joke." And then, and then you get like that he he sees uh, Thomas Wayne and the mom get killed, mm-hmm. 
and he's thinking about that and he finds that to be funny. I don't know. I, I don't think that that was fake. That's why, like, I mean, I go back and forth with it because I can see how it would be where, like, all of this was just in his head. Yeah. And, like, he has just been in the mental uh, mental institute from the start. Mm-hmm. And he's just been talking to this therapist. But I can also see where it's, like, he was put in here after, after the whole thing. And they're trying to, like, find out what's wrong with him mentally. Yeah. I mean, the way that they do it is very well done. Um, I've I said in the previous one I really did not like the very very ending shot yeah. where like it's kind of Scooby Doo where he's running back and forth through the halls. I yeah. think if you two points you could have ended it when he was standing on top of the cop car and like did the smile with the blood, mm-hmm. or you could have ended it where he was the next scene in the psych ward and he says the line you wouldn't get it. Yeah. I think that those would have been the two perfect ways to end the film. Yeah. And and if you were, and if you, okay, if they want to extend it, mm-hmm. I would have even been okay with him just walking down the hall with the blood footprints like going down. I even would have been okay with, I just didn't, yeah. care. I just don't like the, like the actual running back and yeah, forth. Yeah, it was just stupid. It, it, and it kind of, it almost, it was almost like what happened with Bronson where like that last shot in the film where he's just kind of, like, chained up in, like, the small cage yeah. and all bloodied and, like, defeated. Yeah. It was almost kind of like you turned something so serious throughout this entire film comical at the end. Yeah. And, I mean, yes, there's always a comedy aspect to Joker because that's his role. That's who he is. Yeah. But I think when you go for a darker role like this, it's better to kind of just leave it. Like, even if he did, like, the the little, like, foot kick type thing where yeah, like yeah, he jumps yeah. in the air and like yeah. clacks both of his feet but yeah. the blood like splats off yeah that's fine too yeah but i we've talked about it before i don't like the very, very i don't either I don't, I don't other care. than that the rest of the film is great yeah um another question that I, w- I i was like thinking about when i was watching it was what does arthur want like out of his own life like what does he want from life mm-hmm. And I was kind of under the impression that, like, for the most part, I was thinking that he kind of just wants to be noticed. And, like, he wants... So, you, I see you looking at me and you're like, eh, Well, no, like, I, I me, get what you're explain. saying. I have, like, two different things that I think he wants in life. Yeah. Um. So, let me just go over mine. So, like, I said that, like, he wants to be noticed. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that, like, shooting those guys in the subway... And that kind of causing like that major like uproar in the city and like everybody starts, you know, going crazy and and, and, and he, he basically actually like starts a movement, mm-hmm. right? And you can see how happy he is to have been the guy that like started that, right? Yeah. Like for him to be um you know, when when he goes and he sees at the newspaper stand like killer clown and all that and they're talking about it on the news, all he wants to do is like watch it and like read it. And when he sees that one guy like drive by in like the taxi or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's got the mask on and he like gives he him smiles. like a smile. Like, I think that like, he's so happy that something that he did is being like part of this entire, like, you know, is like the kind of like the start of this giant movement that's happening. Yeah. And then of course, you know, when he gets called to go on to like the Mar- the Maury show, mm-hmm. And that's, like, more attention for him, and he's excited to do it, right? Yeah, especially, too, when he sees, like, on the the Maury show originally, like, he was shown, like, somebody videotaped him in the open mic night. Yeah, yeah. And he just gets so happy that, like, oh, they noticed me. Yeah. 
And then also uh, the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I just think that he wants, like, he wants to be wanted, kind mm-hmm. of, and he wants to be noticed. So, like, he has this completely imaginative uh, relationship, right? Like, he's, and, and, and she's, like, very loving towards him, and, and she cares about him, and she thinks that he's funny, and she, like, cares about him, and she's sitting there with him, like, at the, at the uh, hospital bed with his mom, and all of these things. And I'm just, like, I'm really just getting the simple fact that, like, he really, really just is lonely, similar to, of course, like Taxi Driver, right? Like he's lonely and it's similar into Taxi Driver where it's a man who's in like this really, really dense, densely populated city, yet he feels so alone. Yeah. And I think that he just wants to to feel noticed. And then also, you know, he wants like a father figure as well. Like that's something that like comes up a few different times in the movie. Mm-hmm. Obviously the whole Thomas Wayne thing and then... Um, also when he gets, when he imagines himself on the Maury show towards like the more of the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie, something that is brought up was I'm the man of the house. I have to take care of my mother mm-hmm. and like wanting that father figure and for somebody to like actually like take care of him, I think is something that, um, that he really, really, really misses and he feels that is absent from his life. Yeah. I, I can kind of get behind that. I mean, one of my points was what he really wants in life is a family. So that kind of like delved right into it a little Mm -hmm. bit where like he really just wants to have that father figure of Thomas Wayne. He really wants to have that mother figure like to take care of him and support him throughout like this rough time in his life where he is going through like mental issues Mm -hmm. and he's kind of like becoming more of a man backed up against the wall where he has like very few options left. Yeah. So I think like the main thing is that he wants to have that family support and have kind of like that figure, like you said. But then the other side of it is, I think like really all he wants is to be himself and just feel like he's free and like he can be himself yeah. around anybody. I mean, there there is the great line in the film where the worst part of having a mental illness is people expect you to behave as if you don't. Yeah, And I mean... Part of me also thinks that like Joaquin Phoenix had like a really good part of creating that line because he's gone on record to express like his mental illnesses and everything like that. And like he stands firmly behind that line. And I think like with that, he really like by the end of the film, he just wants to feel free and that he can do whatever he wants and not be judged for it. Yeah, because the majority of this film, he is very much like trying to appease everybody else right mm-hmm. like when he's like when he has like that laughing disorder mm-hmm. and, and he gives him the card and he gives him the card and he's like trying to like cover his mouth and he like sort you can tell that like he kind of feels embarrassed that he mm-hmm. that he like that this is something that happens to him and then towards the end of the movie it's just more like i could give a fuck and yeah. like there really is it's a, it's a uh it's a coming of age story. <laughs> <laughs> we're back to that i will say again i fucking absolutely love what Phillips did with the laugh. I think that is... I thought it was very good. That is the best thing that they could have ever done for Joker where made it part of a disorder for him. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. And I like how Joaquin made it where... I mean, I don't know whose idea it was, but the idea, the simple fact of it being to the point where, like, he's laughing so hard and so uncontrollably that, like, it becomes like he's, like, wheezing and, like, yeah. it's almost like he's gonna throw up because, like, he just can't stop and the stomach probably hurts so much. Mm-hmm. 
it's so it's so good. It was is excellent. It really really is. Yeah. You have any other questions? No, I mean we kind of like went over the ones yeah. that um, I, I really thought were important. Yeah, I I I really um something one other thing that I want to mm-hmm. talk about about Arthur is kind of like so you have this guy who is in this city and he's so alone and he's so like, you know, he's so alone, but like, he's so self-aware. Mm-hmm. That's something that's like really interesting is it's not like he's, it's not like he's unaware that he's crazy. Yeah. He's very much saying like, he tells his therapist or his social worker, like I'm, I have all of these negative thoughts. Like I need you to up my medication. Mm-hmm. I need help. Like you telling me, me sitting down here and going over the same shit every week is not doing anything for me. So he he really wants to be like normal yeah. towards like the in the beginning, in the beginning of the beginning. movie, right? Like he really really wants to just have a normal life and not have all these negative thoughts. But this again, similar to what we said before, like the system fails him, and then he kind of goes into this. And I thought it was a really interesting character development in where you have a character who is aware that he's not okay. Because mm-hmm. Travis, different than um, uh, you know, different than Taxi Driver, Arthur is aware, and he's and it's almost like he doesn't want to go down this path yeah travis on the other hand totally thinks, wants to go down thinks that, path. that he's right and 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 thinks that you know everything that he's doing is is the correct real right way to do it and he doesn't he doesn't believe that like he has anything wrong with him he thinks that like everybody else in the world is doing things wrong yeah but arthur is aware that he's not okay mm-hmm. and i thought that was a really really interesting thing and i thought that was a really clever way of doing it where you have a man who's so self that he's very self-aware that like he's got something wrong with him and he's actively trying to make it so that he isn't like this anymore mm-hmm. and the system still fails him right yeah. i mean and that's really i mean what it comes down to this movie again covers a lot of stuff i mean we obviously know that like like the home the homeless population is crazy mm-hmm. and the majority uh, problem as well. Yeah. And you know, homelessness, drug addiction and all that. And a lot of it comes down to mental illness. Like mm-hmm. that's really, really what it comes down to is they don't have the right, they just can't get like the proper help that they, that they need. And we just don't, we as a society and also like the government just doesn't care enough to try to do it. Yeah. So it seems in the way that um, it's been going so far. So I thought this movie is really, really good when, when it comes to that. I mean, this movie is very much like a mirror like you're you're pretty much just watching <laughs> like us basically yeah. like how we treat and I think people it, and then I think it comes down to to like the core of the story again is self medication in a sense mm-hmm. where it is like find what you can to make you you yeah and I mean it got negative uh, anecdotes about it but I mean. Arthur's way was killing and becoming yeah. the clown prince. Can't, so like, can't, we can't recommend that. No. But there, if, if you do take like a positive thing out of it, it mm-hmm. is similar to what you said. If you do take up killing, just like <laughs> leave it to like small doses. Uh, um, <laughs> no, but just like, you know, if you do, if you do, if you can take anything out of like, you know, like the positiveness, it is kind mm-hmm. of like a, a, a movie where it's like getting 
stop caring what other people think about you and yeah. just kind of be yourself. Obviously, this movie goes in the in the psycho serial killer path. Yeah. Which we don't recommend doing. No. <laughs> but you know, like who cares? Like, you know, like <laughs> if you want to dye your hair a certain color or whatever it may be, whatever it is, like you just, just it yeah, doesn't just find, matter. Like who find cares? the thing that makes you you. Yeah. And don't and like who cares what anybody thinks? I don't know. That's something that my girlfriend like always struggles with. Mm-hmm. So like she would never like she got she would get in com- very very uncomfortable with like going out in public and like doing something like I'm, I do photography right so yeah. like if I'm like hey like let's go let's go out and do like a photo shoot here if there's like anybody around she won't she won't model mm-hmm. she like I, I don't feel comfortable let's go somewhere else let's go somewhere else it's just like and I'm so much like a who gives a shit nobody is looking at you like nobody honestly for the most part nobody cares yeah. like about you the only time that people tend to like care about you and people like talk about you is like when you're in high school like mm-hmm. other than that like n- like everybody is just so in their own world and doing their own thing that like nobody gives a fuck if your hair is yellow green purple gr- like it doesn't like nobody cares like, they'll just walk right by you and that's it yeah exactly. nobody gives a shit so yeah that's my rant all right arthur fleck arthur fleck everybody Zach, you have a recommendation? I do. Well, um, we don't want to hear it. All right, everybody. That's the all show. Right, guys, thank you for listening. <laughs> so, Frank, as you know, I am a wrestling fan. Oh, God. I'm not I'm not going to recommend straight wrestling. You're going to recommend the WWE Network? No, I'm fine. I'm not your dad. <laughs> <laughs> However, um, there is a really cool show that's on Vice that I picked up where it's called Dark Side of the Ring. Okay. And I got my girlfriend into it as well. And they're they're in spurts of like an hour long and they're set up as a documentary with like almost dramatizations of the wrestlers throughout it to kind of explain the story. But they go really in depth on like the dark side of wrestling. Like the steroid use and the... Steroid use, drug addiction, alcoholism. Um, I mean, two of my favorite episodes that they've done was the one involving Macho Man Randy Savage, where they talked about his marriage to Miss Elizabeth and, like, how he kind of became, like, very, not abusive, but, like, needed to know everything that she was doing and how, like, Hulk Hogan kind of, like, stepped in and... Hulk Hogan thinks... Hulk Hulk Hogan's life went real, like... Yeah, Hulk Hogan (laughs) went rough. But, like, it explains, like, Hulk Hogan kind of, like, taking miss elizabeth in and then there's a bit of like a love connection there and then it it boils down to like you know adultery and then that kind of plays into the actual wrestling side where like macho man was like starting to really like hate hulk hogan and didn't want to work with him and then they created the storyline of him trying to steal miss elizabeth away from him and it almost seems like like something that you don't like that like you know what i mean yeah. where it's like maybe we shouldn't like 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 hey guys let's not make this uh like i don't want to act like for yeah yeah and then i mean it's <laughs> there's always been the case in wrestling where it's like real life meets the ring yeah and there's always like some portion of it that's taken and kind of blown out of proportion yeah um so that was a really great like documentary just ex- like expanding on the relationship and like what happened with Macho Man and all of that and Miss Elizabeth. Mm. And then another great one that just came out recently was a two-part episode about Chris Benoit. Yeah. Yeah. That and- uh I mean again when I was into wrestling 
when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Chris Benoit was the man. Yeah, he was the guy. And when you heard the story behind Chris Benoit and like what he did, I mean, it's real dark. It is. And I mean, it's really cool because the first episode really kind of like dives into more of like his life as a wrestler and like what he was going through. And it kind of builds up to the at the end where it leaves you when you find out that he killed himself Mm -hmm. and his family. And then the next episode is all about the murder mystery of it all. And then also his concussions. Yeah. Because the man, like, I mean, there was another wrestler who was studying to be, um, I forgot what it was, but like he was studying to actually like help people mentally and also basically perform brain surgeries. Mm. And obviously he quit wrestling to do that. But Chris Benoit came up to him one day and was like, Hey, listen, like, you know, I, I heard that you're really getting into like concussions and like you're learning about them. Can you tell me like anything about it? And he didn't think of anything at the time. And he was like, yeah, I mean like, well, I mean, what are you trying to think? Like how many concussions have you had? He's like (laughs) 27,000. He was like, I don't know more than I can count. Probably 30. Yeah. And it's like, when you have that many concussions at your age, yeah. you have major holes in your brain at that point. So, I mean, the way that Dark Side of the Ring really kind of just, like, went in depth and showed you, like, this is why this happened or this could possibly be the case, it's a really cool show. And if you're a wrestling fan and you like the darker side of things where you want to know, like, backstage stuff, it's awesome. If you're not a wrestling fan and you're just really intrigued by, like, what these people go through in their lives. Mm-hmm. I think it's also a great show for that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Seems I, I would probably watch that. Yeah, I think you would. I've, if anything, I think you would like the Chris Benoit yeah, stuff. Yeah, most likely. Man, Eddie Guerrero. That was They sad. talk about him too. Oh, that was so sad. Yeah, they that was a huge breaking point for Benoit. Yeah. Like, yeah, they were really good friends. Very Wasn't different. Benoit's like main move like he would get on the top rope and doing like a fucking like flying headbutt? Yep. I mean, how, like, what do you think is going to happen yeah. with all that like, concussions? Yeah, the, the wrestler Harley Race <laughs> made that finisher, and immediately after he did it, he was like, please, nobody use this. This was, <laughs> this was the worst decision of my entire life. Yeah. And then everybody that's used it has basically gone down a path. Yeah. I mean. That's why, like, Daniel Bryan doesn't use it that much anymore. I don't know who that is. But right. uh, <laughs> I used to like Rakishi and Scotty Tuhati. Oh, remember them? <laughs> yes, I remember them. Too cool, bro. And what was that one guy that had like muscles on his muscles? He would come out with like the the like uh, the chain link like uh, things over his head, and he had, oh Scott Steiner, yeah, big that, pop a pump, big pop a pump, yeah, that mother- <laughs> the genetic freak, <laughs> yo, that guy, <laughs> big bad booty daddy, that, that guy would literally flex his muscle and, yeah. then, and then flex it a little bit harder, and then a muscle would pop out on the top of his muscle. You need to watch the promo of him it talking about math. About what? Math. Oh, it's so fucking hilarious. <laughs> like he's trying to figure out percentages and just talking on air. <laughs> oh, man. I also recommend the TNA Scott Steiner promo of him talking <laughs> about math. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Yeah. Character study: Arthur Fleck. Um, Dark Side of the Ring. Yes, Zach. Thanks so much. Take it out. Take us out, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank. I used to think my life was a tragedy, but now I know it's a fucking comedy. <laughs>